and welcome to What a Maneuver! I am the Ultra Bomb. And I'm another semi-pro. ASP. Am I okay to call you ASP? ASP is a lot shorter and a lot easier. Welcome to What a Maneuver. Um, I suppose we'll start off this. This is an intro show. This is just a breakdown of what we're going to be doing in this weekly show. We will record Friday evenings after a tumultuous week and send it out on Mondays. Uh, what that means is we're kind of limited in how much of the current news we can cover, given that a lot of the pay-per-views are premium live events, as they're now called, uh, occur on Saturdays or Sundays. So we're kind of tied. If we did that, we'd kind of be tied, wouldn't we? So we'll talk about a little bit of current affairs if we have to, but we'll keep it to timeless wrestling conversation where we'll do top fives, primarily, uh, primarily talking about our influences, our bias, and we will do a watch along each and every week, except this week. This will be the primer and we'll lay down the first quote next week. How do we feel about that? Sounds excellent. We're going to be as live as Monday Night Raw and just as wild to boot. <laughs> are we talking the initial Monday Night Raw that wasn't uh, wasn't live at all? Are we talking about that? Yeah, it was. It's just as live as Gunsmoke. <laughs> they always reference it. But that that's a tremendously dated reference. I like that. Brilliant. <laughs> I'll show in MacGyver in five minutes as well. Oh, MacGyver! What a show. <laughs> anyway. Um, so what we're going to do on this show is we're going to talk about initially what we don't want to do is have a show where you listen and go oh well these guys obviously we don't want you to guess our bias we're going to tell you from the start what our bias is so you know going into these exactly who we are what we are what we're about and uh, just to confirm what we are our email address is watermaneuver at gmail.com it's w-h-a-d-a M-A-N-O-O-V-E-R. Okay. Um, I'll spell it again. I'll probably mess up. <laughs> W-H-A-D-A-M-A-N-O-O-V-E-R. We will also, over time, be available on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, the usual social media places, but Gmail if you have any questions for either of us. Okay. Ultra Bomb, the Ultra Bomb, or another semi-pro ASP. Okay, recommendations for watch alongs as well. I mean, I know we have our own matches we'd like to see. What mm -hmm. do you think? Absolutely, if people put it in there uh, into the chat or into the message below, absolutely. I think we can definitely watch along to some classics. I'm always up for rewatching some of my favorite matches ever. So if people don't suggest it, I'll 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 put it forward myself. <laughs> absolutely, there, there's a certain. Um, there's a certain feeling you get. I know Sky Sports are running this thing, this advertising campaign at the moment to promote you getting Sky to say, oh, it only happens once. And that's true. But what Pro Wrestling gives you is, it's scripted as we know, but what it gives you is an emotional roller coaster that you can experience again. I mean, we're both gamers. I've played a lot of games multiple times. Same. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the replayability and rewatchability, it definitely links in. It's a great comment. I think. Yeah. Yeah, you can go back to wrestling matches from a couple of years ago and it's almost like you're seeing it for the first time sometimes because the high moments, the pops, you know, you're kind of, you're, you can relive those. Absolutely. I think, I think at, at particularly second watch of a wrestling match, I mean, you've seen it, so you know whether or not it's worth watching. And I think that's the major box ticked for me. Is this worth watching twice? If it is, it's good. 
doesn't have to be five star classic. Doesn't have to be a Dave Meltzer seven star classic. It just is something worth watching, okay? And it's worth the rewatch. So if it's worth the rewatch, you don't mind knowing the result because I think you'll agree that a lot of matches you go into, you know who's going to win, right? Yeah. I mean, Razor Ramon, Barry Horowitz. Horowitz wasn't winning any of those matches, but they're still pretty good. I'd still watch them. What a shout! I want to watch that now. <laughs> do you remember his? Uh, do you remember his? Like Brock Lesnar does the side to side little shimmy. Cena does the word life. Do you remember Barry Horowitz's signal to the crowd? As soon as you say it, I'm going to be like, of course, but no, I, I, I can't remember. It was a Tommaso Ciampa esque pat on the back. <laughs> and his jacket even had a handprint upside down there as if he was trying to hit it. Class. Okay, that's brilliant. I'm like, he's effectively patting himself in the back for staring at the lights for 25 years. You know, <laughs> you know, like a uh, top-notch hooker. Sorry. Um, <laughs> for those of you in the back, he said jobber. <laughs> yes, I said jabroni, jabroni, <laughs> jabroni. Um, so I suppose we'll update people uh, on what we watch ourselves. Who we are. So I'm the Ultra Bomb, 38 years old, pushing on, watch wrestling since I'm a child. ASP, what about you? Yeah, I'm I'm 34. Uh, been watching since I was a kid as well. Um, uh, I remember good little kid eating my sugar puffs, watching WCW <laughs> religiously as a kid. Um, you know, grew up watching all the classics in the 90s, early 90s. That was my um, almost where wrestling was a temple you would go to and you would go there regularly um less so for periods of time after that but getting back there now to kind of watching again with this new generation of superstars as they like to call themselves sometimes or be called uh, that i'm getting more familiar with I, I i'd be very similar it was from a young age i i fell out of love a little bit around 2000 and Five, I would say, I was twenty-one. It was like the John Cena being shoved on your throat era. Mm. That kind of that killed it a small bit for me. And the raw going to three hours was a big thing for me because in the three hours, about one hour twenty is ads, which I didn't. A lot like. of filler, yeah, yeah, a, a lot, lot of filler, filler in that. I, I stuck around for a bit of the Cena uh, stuff, uh, you know the word life era and then even the you can't see me era i guess we call them those th- mini eras um because there were still some excellent performers in there uh point in case legend killer rko randy orton um but uh yeah i mean in the, in more recent years so in the in the in the teens or the tens if we'll say that's that's when i've kind of fallen off but i was i lasted long enough to uh see some excellent guys the end of some excellent careers um but yeah in in more recent years last five or six is where I will have gaps in my memory with some of the new guys coming through, you know, your, your Rollins, your Owens, these guys, I, I've seen bits of their careers, but not as much as I would have, not as a continuous record like I would have done for, for someone like uh, Stone Cold or, or these guys from, from a generation before. Yeah. And I, I'm the same. I, I, well, I did follow Love in about 2005, around 2010, 11, when I went to college. I had a little bit more time and I started to fall in love again. And yeah. what really hooked me in was 
the original black and gold NXT. I loved that show, the one hour yeah. show. Because after an hour, you've seen so much quality, no bullshit. You're hooked. You want more at the end of that hour. You're like, I can't believe it's only an hour. I would much prefer to be annoyed it was only an hour than annoyed it was three hours and too long, if that makes yeah. sense. I uh, want less is more. Less is more. And actually, NXT, NXT for me was such a well produced wrestling production like, and, and show. Um, as opposed to being a focus on being an entertainment show. Not going to get into that debate right now, but but it was definitely a distinguishable difference for me from the other mainstream yeah. products that were out there at the time. Yeah, and when they switched the two hours, I, ha I had a bad feeling. Mm. And, he, and Triple H advertised it as, this is not the number three brand anymore. We're going to present it alongside it. And I, I think that destroyed it a small bit because the turnover of superstars, as you said, yeah, is yeah. what made that show, I think. Because people who come in, fresh, gone, more freshness, gone, more freshness. It's interesting formula, but it worked. It was an inevitable, like almost um, cannibalizing of such a genuine product or genuine show that was you know, it's the American sponsor model. It's it's that whole corporate thing of this is super successful. Let's cram it full of sponsored yeah. ads and make it more corporate and sell it as a packaged up, you know, next Raw SmackDown, yeah. um, which which was the total wrong decision to make from a from a company point of view. But it was a corporate decision and a yeah. financial one, I guess. And a year ago, um, just over a year ago, it actually celebrated the one year anniversary recently of where Triple H got ill and mm. lost control of NXT. They completely changed it. They got rid of everybody on the roster, changed the look, changed everything about it, made it more kid-friendly, replaced the talent with Mock, apart from one or two. And that's when I stopped watching and started listening. But in the last few months, I've really got back into it. NXT is on the way back. Raw and SmackDown are actually good. AEW offers some good stuff. New Japan kind of, it's not what it was, but it's still pretty good. So that's us. I mean, yeah. What do, what are, what do you think people are to expect from this? I mean, our, the main bones of the show will be a watch along plus our top fives, I suppose, but that will change over time. What do you think? Yeah, you're going to get um, some pretty unfiltered, um, you know, views on just honest feedback, um, telling it like it is. We're not going to sugarcoat it when, when there's botches. We're not going to, you know, it, we're not color commentators. We are going to be, you know, play by play almost on some of these things. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be, you know, the, from the watch logs, it's going to be great. It's going to be our live, uh, real raw reactions actual raw not wwe hey. raw <laughs> reactions hey. um exactly what we're what we're viewing and and you know just hopefully interacting then with with comments and other things and other suggestions that we get in i guess but yeah yes that's what i would think i hope over time as well it might be a fan-led a little bit i mean what do you want to see mm -hmm. I, I, i'm up for watching anything same here so i think we got if the suggestions roll in we got a lot of good stuff to get through yeah yeah uh, we will be using the network for a lot of this stuff. So if anyone is listening who is who does not have the network, I, um, unlucky. But we will be we will be using a lot of stuff that is available on YouTube because we're watching matches, not events. So a lot of matches are on YouTube. 
does it to make it free. So what we'll do is we'll tell you as best we can describe where to go to find this, what to enter into a search bar, give you the time in that file, give you a countdown, press play and now. The idea is that you watch that and you have a headphone in listening to us talking nonsense with you live. We won't be pausing, I don't think, because I've listened to a few watch-alongs and as good as they are, they often pause. Mm. And you then have to pause. And if you don't do it at the exact same time, you're lost. You've completely lost track of each other, okay? You're in the wilderness with no GPS. It's gone, okay? Um, <laughs> eventually, I think we'll do some live stuff where we'll be, you'll be able to chat to us and we'll reply, this kind of stuff, live events. There's stuff coming up. And, and WRB in particular have moved to Saturday nights, which is more convenient for us. Oh, yeah. yeah no. So that's what to expect. Anything you want to add there about what, what you think uh, fans can expect? No, you, you covered it all. We're, we're going to try and do all that and more as time progresses. And hopefully if enough of you guys out there are joining and listening to us, uh, we'll be able to do it all and more. Yeah, absolutely. But what we're, what we're going to do definitely on each show, there'll be segments like magazine segments, a few features. The website will, uh, will have a lot of stuff too. Uh, search Water Maneuver, W H A D A M A N O O V E R. And we will always have a top five, at least one top mm-hmm. five. Uh, yeah. One more structured and one a little bit funny. For example, today uh, we're going to be doing wrestlers and signs, okay? Crowd signs, which is always a good one. Um, what we'll do is work from five to one, taking turns, and we'll have a little bit of chat about it. It'll be about 30 minutes. And then when we do the actual show starting next week, uh, next Monday, what we'll have is however long the match is, say a 20 minute match, you have a couple of minutes intro to that, a couple of minutes outro of that, uh, plus the 30 minutes. So we, we may say, show will be about no, more than I mean, yeah, how much yeah, can we say? But let me point out, we are not experts in this. We've never done wrestling. We've never written for or about wrestling really um we're presenting what we think okay so yeah. bear that in mind when you're abusing us online <laughs> yeah we are fans uh, ourselves and it's important to know that these are our opinions we are not trying to state them as facts um although some of them definitely are just just, just accept that now and you'll get with it <laughs> especially top fives i mean um oh actually i was gonna say preamble for the top five today though with top five wrestlers even we don't agree with ourselves and if you ask us tomorrow we'd have different lists so these are our opinions 100 different. <laughs> different as you said earlier day by day it would be completely different yeah it would be completely different okay so what what i would do here is stick in a sound effect. Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to make a top five, and then, boom, wrestlers. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. And I feel like a hypnotist. We're back in the room. Back in the room. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to kick off today with our top five wrestlers. We do wrestlers first? Yeah, let's go into wrestlers, man. All right, because I think, I think this list will explain our bias more than any other thing. Because yeah. this will lead our uh, understanding, people's understanding of when we watched. It'll lead our understanding of um, the matches that we would, we will do top five matches. Uh, it would mm-hmm. lead our understanding to that. Um, just a, just a, a, a prefix for this. We talked about this earlier ourselves. Uh, there is a ver- there's a, there will appear to be a racial bias in our top five list. 
But can we just say there has and always has been a racial bias in the business? That is why this yeah. is reflected in the list. Purely picking on the guys we were watching at a time when we were all watching tons. Um, the list will be will be, or as the as time progresses, the list will be more and more diverse, I guess. And as we come more and more into the modern day of wrestling, as we're talking about the, the current superstar or professional wrestler ro- rosters, um, it naturally lends itself to a much more um, diverse and modern pool of, of of human beings that that do this craft. Yeah. And like if we were to say, which we will do at some stage, I would imagine the top five current wrestlers, um, yeah. very very few white guys would imagine on that list, one or two yeah. maybe. I, I'll always argue from a boy Dolph, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. But that's about it. <laughs> but again, we're we're very eager to acknowledge our bias and not pretend it's not a thing. Uh, I mean, if, if, but having said that, that it's it's a white guy list. I'm looking at my list. I have one, two, three people who are either Canadian or live there in the mm-hmm. top five. And one guy who uh, is American but tends to be from somewhere else. So we've, we've got that. <laughs> and kayfabe <laughs> is as good as, 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 good as uh, another countryman. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, it's not quite black-facing, but I mean, it, it's there. There's a suggestion. <laughs> All right. Um, so we start with the top five wrestlers. Uh, ASP. Would you like to lead with your five? Your number five. Starting at number five. All right. This one, uh, and by the way, just so the, the listeners all know, uh, we do not know each other's top five going into this. So we don't know if we have overlap or if we contradict or if completely different lists. There's Life. enough of a pool to pick from. Um, so starting at my number five, I do have a suspicion this this particular gentleman's going to feature for you as well. For me, number five is Eddie Guerrero. Um, Eddie. Yeah, Eddie had to be in there for me. Um, there's a ton of guys you can say who may have better bodies of work because they were around longer. Fortunately, everyone knows Eddie left us at the age of 38. That's crazy to think of. Um, age. It's nuts. Yeah, it's, it's, which is crazy. Like Eddie had a good few years left in the tank of, of high-level performing. Um, but, I mean, you know, there's so many things that are – synonymous with Eddie Guerrero, you know, that we lie, we cheat, we steal, but somehow still being that lovable rogue, um, you know, I, I'll, I always would associate, you know, the, the, the screwing someone over thing with Eddie Guerrero, where he would stand in a ring with a chair and then just pass the chair to the guy and just drop to the ground. That is Eddie Guerrero-esque and many other wrestlers will emulate it and do the fake, you know, I was knocked out thing and the ref will do it, do it DQ. Eddie was for me anyway when I grew up. That was him. He was that was the guy who did that. Um, yeah. So for me, he he has left an indelible mark on wrestling. And uh, yeah, he has to be for me top five. But it's definitely subjective and could be argued. <laughs> He's it, it, in a business where most a lot of stuff is the same. So every match will have a headlock, an Irish whip, a drop down, a tackle, a backdrop, mm-hmm. a clothesline, a pin. Outside the ring, every single match has a lot of stuff that's the same. He pioneered things. He did yeah. firsts. He did onlys because he 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 was he was just that good. Now, I will say, he's not in my top five. Ah, but again, had you asked me tomorrow, he may be in my yeah. top five. You know? Because I know he's up there as one of your favorites. I do he know is, this. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. For I, me, I, is I, he kind of mixed. Um. He mixed. 
you know, your heavyweight on the ground wrestler with a bit of your high flying, you know, Eddie could do it all for me. And there's a couple of wrestlers that, that, that fit that mold. He's not the only one by any manner of means, but, um, you know, again, in the nineties for me, he was, he was, uh, he was a Mr. Everybody, basically he could do it all, but he could do it better than anybody for when he wanted to be, when he was, when he was on, and this is a quote, actually a direct Chris Jericho quote. There was nobody better than Eddie when Eddie was on. And I'm yeah. sure he had off nights, but Jericho yeah. himself thought when, when, when Eddie was on, he was just up there with the best of the best. Yeah. So. I, I remember seeing Punk quote from his uh, documentary, documentary profile video of 2011, WWE's Best in the World, it was called. He said uh, when he was, I can't remember the, the, the federation he was working with at the time, but Eddie was on that hiatus, hiatus he had to deal with his quote-unquote demons. So he was running the indie circuit for a while and he ended up in a match with CM Punk. And Punk said, I thought I was good until Eddie came to town. Mm. He said, this guy was just the best. He was in the right place at the right time, the whole time, and led the match. And he, he said he learned more from Eddie in about two weeks than he did the rest of his career, which is, which is crazy. So, I mean, high praise and deserved. Last thing um, I'll say in Eddie's corner before I pass yeah. to you is he was so good <laughs> that he, Vicky Guerrero, who was his wife, but, you know, wasn't a wrestler, wasn't a performer, somehow kept a job for years after his passing whilst <laughs> not being that good of a product herself. <laughs> no, she definitely wasn't. <laughs> no. <laughs> she, did, she did okay. She did good. <laughs> not in my top five, though. No. Not no. in my... Not <laughs> What list would that be? You, uh, Ultra Bomb. Ultra Bomb. We got, we got to get your top five or we're going to take too long on this. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Uh, number five, I had the Cuban Razor Ramon. Ah. Now, showing my age slightly with Razor Ramon, if I may explain, was he the best in-ring worker? No. He wasn't a high flyer. Um, but the guy was so smart and so good at his gimmick. I believed... He was Razor Ramon. I believe the Scott Hall that he was in WCW. I believe that guy. He wasn't out there playing a part. He was that part. He was that person. That WrestleMania 10, I know everyone talks about that match. He had others, believe it or not. But that sideways walk that he did underneath the ladder. I mean, yeah. that he was just cool on a stick. He was like. And yeah. um one one thing that always stood out about Razor Ramon and how clever he was, was I remember Kevin Nash talking about him recently on his excellent Click This podcast that he does know with Sean Oliver. It's excellent. You should check it out. Mm. Um, he said that uh, Kevin Nash one day, as Diesel, stood on the top rope and did a, a flex of his arms, which was not a Diesel thing to do at all. Yeah. Brilliant physique, but flexed his arms. And Razor pulled him afterwards and said don't do that again and diesel said why not he goes you're don't be a body guy because your body is the first thing to go ah. but down the line when you're not able to do that anymore people will recognize that you're on the way down and he said yeah, that's yeah. the smartest the smartest guy in the room the smartest guy in the room of course he, he had excellent boats excellent rivalries with sean michaels he actually had a brilliant boat in wcw with bret hart yeah, uh, so absolutely it, it, remember it. It's right uh, that the guys in the Hall of Fame as well. It it was hard for me to not include Ramon in the top five. Yeah. It was a it was a very late cut. 
Yeah. I fully agree with all your points. He, you know, the toothpick, iconic, oh, will yeah. always be his. Yeah. Will always be his. Even the scarf that was initially him. Others have done it since. You know, your Jericho's even re- more recently with uh, MJF. He's gonna get, but that Ramon made that. You know, that was his thing that yeah. he did. Um, yeah, he was iconic. He definitely, yeah, he definitely is worthy of, of contention here, hundred percent. Who's your uh, number four ASP? My number four is is the ultimate mainstream pick. It's Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Nice, uh, nice, nice. May not go down with the hardcores and the diehards as palatable, but you have to, and the reason he makes the list for me, it, it's the same reason he's probably made it big as a movie star. He was the draw. Um, he brought in the millions, millions of fans. <laughs> and it, it, he just did it time after time, main event after main event, special, you know, all of the the the... He was just that guy in his time, up there with obviously the rivals he had with Stone Cold. Um, you know, those were the guys in their in their in their. They had a moment where they were just absolutely electric. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, he for me was just. I thought he was literally superhuman at certain points growing up. You know, he could just do it all. Um, so yeah, he, his ability to draw consistently and always be over, so super over. His rivalry with Stone Cold is is up there for me. Uh, his sell of the of the Stone Cold Stunner, where he flips over and lands, oh, on the right it's iconic. Yeah. It's burnt into my memory. I can see it whenever I need to. Um, and another thing that I loved was his tag team with Mankind or Mick Foley, as we all know him, was was one of the most like it was kind of comedic relief at times, but it was just so good to watch that interaction. And The Rock could have done that with anybody. Not to, not to sell Mick Foley short, legend in his own right, but The Rock was just, you know, even in interviews, what do you think? It doesn't matter what, it's, it's just things that are are just The Rock. And he was, he had so many just The Rock moments. Um, you know, he definitely falls closer to, you know, your John Cena's in your in your five move of doom type, type you know, molded wrestler, but... In terms of entertainment value, yeah, he was one of the best in his in his moment. His his I don't think anyone has, and this is this possibly extends to a world where he's now he has now defeated as well, mm-hmm. movie world, even a bigger audience. I don't think anyone in wrestling has ever had his charisma. Yeah, the, like that's exactly it. He smells the air and the crowd goes wild. He literally <laughs> smells what he's cooking. Uh, that, that's exactly how to describe it. I mean, there will be better technical wrestlers than him. There are many. There are multitudes. Uh, but there may never be a more charismatic human being than The Rock. And that goes beyond wrestling. Like you said, in yeah. the movie world, his, the, the box office hits he's had with movies that probably didn't deserve to have box office hits, but The Rock was in it and everyone watched. So... Um, yeah, that's a testament to him and the draw he is, and and the the, the love people have for him as a charismatic uh, and you know just person you want to follow. Yeah, so, yeah. That's my number my, four. My number four is um, Chris Benoit. So we, we did have a little discussion about how we were going to address this person, mm-hmm. um, but uh, just as a kind of prefix for the show, it's not that we're discounting what happened. Absolutely. It's just that 
we can recognize that and also recognize what he brought to our lives as fans before that. Yeah. Ama- amazing wrestler. Purely being judged on in-ring here. Um, we are not judging any wrestler on their real-life personas, their real-life actions. Um, we are not casting any judgment on Kane and the fact that he is now in a political realm. I mean, that doesn't it, that would not impact our judgment on Kane, the wrestler. Um, so, uh, he, yeah. He caused Lisa to have a miscarriage. Yeah, there you go. Straight. I mean, so look, we're looking at it from an in-ring performance, and that's why I think that it's fine to consider the body of work that Chris Benoit, the wrestler, put forward for contention as opposed to, um, you know, Chris Benoit, the real-life person who did real-life things. (laughs) Amazing wrestler. um, For the size of him, just one of the best technicians. Intensity, uh, like, paralleled maybe only by Kurt Angle. Like, nobody else did that. But having said that, um, it's not something... I want to dwell on too much. So, ASP, what's your number three? Yeah, perfect. We'll, we'll keep it going here. Keep the, the momentum flowing. Uh, for me, uh, this number three, um, it, it can't not be on someone's list. I, I just, I, you know, I, if you don't have them on, we'll have to debate this. Okay. It's Ric Flair, the nature Ooh. boy. Yeah. Woo! <laughs> Space Mountain, baby. <laughs> Um, the dirtiest player in the game has has to be included. Two-time Hall of Famer, not just there as an individual, but there as a member of the Four Horsemen. Um, up until they, they John Cena's um, later pushes was was the most decorated heavyweight champion in all of the, the uh, federations he was in. Um, primarily, I think most of us came NWA, if I remember right. But he does have two or three WWE directly. Had about six or seven WCW. People in the comments will correct my. By numbers by one or two off as they I go. Think, I think his overall of like actual numbers nineteen. He's the most, but they don't. WWE doesn't recognize yeah. some it's of them. Yeah, active title and yeah, it comes in. But he yeah. just he was super decorated. Yeah. Um, one of the only wrestlers I've ever heard of that had three separate days. Uh, and what I mean by that is that, and I was look this up that Minneapolis, Minnesota was the first. Norfolk, Virginia followed, and then Columbia, South Carolina afterwards had individual Ric Flair days. That's how impactful he was where he was. Um, In terms of his legacy, no wrestler ever in any promotion for the rest of time can perform a knife edge chop and not have someone in the crowd go, woo! Because that's (laughs) now, that is now, if, if a wrestler does a knife edge chop, the fans must, and it's just culture. And that's wrestling has forever been changed and a knife edge top must be followed by a woo because Ric Flair made it so. Um, and the other part of his legacy is his daughter, Charlotte Flair, who, and, and I mean this respectfully, has built her persona and her wrestling um, alter ego modeled off being the daughter of Ric Flair. Yeah. Many wrestlers who are second or third generations are trying to you know, Randy Orton, you forget, is not the first generation. He is a second generation, if not third generation. Oh, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, your Cody Rhodes, these guys who taught about going and, 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 you know, dining off of their parents' success, then decided to blaze his own trail instead and go a different road. So there are uh, 
wrestlers who get away from being under the shadow. I think to Charlotte's credit, she hasn't because I think it's a smart move to be uh, emulating the greatest or one of the greatest yeah. that ever did it. Um, That's it. She, can't, she can't go out there and not be his daughter. Yes, exactly. So she's going out there saying... She has to put the knife edge chop into her repertoire of moves even if she doesn't want to because that's a flair move. <laughs> so yeah. there you and go. Her, and her, her finisher figure eight. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Which is just a great... A submission finisher is great. I love wrestlers who put in submission finishers. You know, your Walls of Jericho, your sharpshooters. Yeah. These are just... It's just... Will he tap? Will he not? Will he get to the ropes? It's just... It's, it adds... It heightens the moment of a match um, as opposed to someone being knocked out. Although the, the kick out on a, on a late two is also good. She, she yeah, also... Number three is just... The only thing that, that stops Ric Flair from being higher on my list is... Um, and this is actually odd because longevity is normally something I would credit to a wrestler's parole. Ric Flair was so long-lived as a wrestler that he kind of we saw we saw the the decline of Ric yeah. Flair in the last decade of his performing career, decade plus. Um, I think he should have hung up the boots a good bit earlier because his legacy would have been so much less tarnished. We would only have had video of the younger, awesome in-ring performer. Um, that's the only negative you could say to Ric Flair is that he was clearly not able in the later years to do it like you, he knew he could. And it definitely hurt some of the legacy. Possibly. Definitely, yeah. And he's actually still going. Yeah. It's, still it's a little going. sad to talk to see. So, yeah, I, I don't want to drag on it too long. But Ric Flair, the nature boy, as we all knew and loved growing up, is yeah. one of the best that ever did it. It's a, it's a little bit like watching a, a, a loved one deteriorate in front of you. Yeah. He needs to get out of the spotlight for his own legacy. Absolutely. Yeah. He needs to enjoy retirement. He's, he done, he's done more than enough in his career. Yeah. I mean, he's he won the Royal Rumble in 1992, 30 years ago. Um, he can hang it up if he wants to. <laughs> <laughs> My number three is Brock Lesnar. I think Lesnar, he doesn't face my typical uh, Matt wrestling. Okay, as you could probably tell, Ben was there, my first two Matt wrestlers. Three Lesnar, he's the most, I honestly think he's the most underrated wrestler ever. He can sell, he can do top yeah. rope crazy stuff, even if he lands on his own head, shooting Star Press WrestleMania 19. He does. Power moves, he does submission moves. That submission move he did on Chris Benoit, do you remember that? The Brock Lock. Yeah. It's also known as a stretch muffler. So what he does is he does like a single leg crab, but it doesn't go under his arm. It goes around his head. And yeah. then he sits on his opponent's head. Like, your body is not meant to contort in that way. And only someone with the physical prowess of Benoit and flexibility could have taken that. Yeah. yeah. And not screamed in agony it, it was it's crazy i think his i think his early run was good but he was very much a victim of the kind of sanitized version of wwe that we were getting at the time his run at the moment is outstanding i didn't think he could be a modern baby face he can mm. he's dressing as a cowboy when over on e aew you have a guy dressing like a cowboy and saying the word cowboy shit he's got Butterflies sewn into his jeans, and he's five foot eight. 
man, he he's saying the words "I am a cowboy." Brock Lesnar is going out there and being a cowboy. Yeah. And you know Brock Lesnar in real life is a goddamn cowboy. He is literally a cowboy. He's not yeah. pretending to be one. The guy, the guy no, is a bad. That's a solid pick. Uh, again, our lists are not lining up today. Uh, but if you ask me on many other days, Brock will be up there with the best of them. Um, absolute physical specimen, the genetic freak. Um, you know, the guy can literally probably do anything. He's literally one of the most... Um, Definitely one of the most fiercest competitors that's ever been in there. There is an aura about him. Um, you know, he was the man to end the streak. That's got to be a, a, a point in the Huge. column book for him. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, Brock is, is he's a, can go he's toe-to-toe a, with anybody in anyone's list. Let's put that Yeah, he's, that he's, a, re, he's a real-life badass. Yeah. He would crush literally any other... Superstar, we're going to name out on the show. He, he would crush that. And yeah, I mean, we're, we're talking about the professional wrestling world, but we, everyone knows Brock did it in, in other organizations in, in MMA. Um, he walked the walk for you know, and and you know, while while pro wrestling, you know, you can get really bad hurt. You do not try that stuff at home. That <laughs> that's what they warn yeah. you on. Uh, obviously, MMA again is another another organization, another level, and you know. You, there, there is there is a level of fortitude or toughness you need to to mix it up at all these different events and different levels and be at the top in any game yeah. you go into. And recently, he's been he's been using the mic, which he never did. And when he did try it before, it sucked. And now he's awesome. I, something has clicked in his life where he's yeah. good at being a face. Do you have a number two ASP? Yeah. Okay. We we'll, we'll go straight in. Uh, number two, we we. We kind of hinted at him uh, while you were talking about Brock. Um, Brock ended the streak, and the man who had that streak is my number two. It's The Undertaker. Nice. Uh, the Undertaker uh, is one of the greatest wrestling characters. You know, he is the greatest wrestling character that's ever been taught up or created. Uh, Mark Calloway kept the kayfabe alive for multiple decades um, and was just... You know, the phenom, it's like he was just unparalleled. Um, the things he was doing as well, moves that weren't necessarily the, you know, most technically gifted moves. You know, walking on a top rope was probably one of his more technically gifted moves. But, you know, um, even a snapmare that The Undertaker would do back in the day, it was The Undertaker's snapmare, and it was yeah. cool. It, he was just a persona Um Obviously, look, we've said the streak, 21-0 and 0, uh, after WrestleMania 29, prior to WrestleMania 30, the WrestleMania that should not be named for many reasons that I don't want to remember there being an indelible one on the Undertaker's streak. Um, <laughs> but no, Brock does get it, fine, 21-1. and 1. Um, The one thing I'll say about the Undertaker is, you know you're one of the best to do what you do when everyone else who's awesome at what you do says you're one of the best that does it. <laughs> so what I mean is Vince McMahon himself, calls out The Undertaker as the best employee he probably ever had because the dedication he got from as The Undertaker, that character. And and other big men to do it, like your big shows and Mark Henry, point to The Undertaker as the example of a big man that can do it. Um, so, he yeah, The Undertaker know. was... He did, no he did no interviews. He did no public appearances. He did very, very limited signings or even appearances for photos. He was willing to forego those 
quite beneficial paid is. You can get 20 grand from standing in a shopping center for three hours. Yeah. He said no to all of that because he knew someday it would pay off. Yeah, in the of The Undertaker, th there was a mystique about that character that, that transcended years and years and years. Um, I just think his, 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 obviously his WrestleMania record speaks for itself, but his entire career, his body of work, um, you know, we talked about Brock Lesnar being a genuine badass. The Undertaker briefly was the American badass, <laughs> but he was much better as a dead man. Yeah, we can agree on that. that I mean, we, we will do a top five entrances someday, but his is up there, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, he, he probably makes two appearances in the top ten, probably. <laughs> Go that far. <laughs> he is nine of the top ten entrances are The Undertaker. <laughs> Um, so good that, I mean, let's be honest, another awesome character that we mentioned earlier, that not actually in the top five list, but Kane uh, was, was yeah. mentioned. That character was created to be a foil to The Undertaker. That character doesn't exist without The Undertaker existing beforehand. Yeah. Um, and I think The Undertaker also paved the way for later wrestlers uh, to come along and do do those kind of gimmicks and sticks as well. Um, you know, um, trying to think of uh, Bo Dallas's brother. Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt. Why was that name gone from me? I don't know why it was, but it was. Bray Wyatt is another character that he can... Or Husky he, Harris. Oh, not Husky Harris. <laughs> we would think Bray Wyatt. Uh, Bray Wyatt is benefiting from, from, from the path that was blazed by The Undertaker doing yeah. that type of gimmick so well. He seems um, the, the natural successor to that kind of position in wrestling where you can park your disbelief at the door when you see the undertaker i mean the guy's supposed to be an undead mortician who'd been buried alive on numerous occasions and fully grown adults such as ourselves watched with intrigue because he personified <laughs> what he was supposed to be in much the same way we talked about razor he was the character and yeah. you, you get so i hate the word character but you get sucked in you do get sucked in i, I believe too i believed him yeah, and, and he and he could he could not just talk talk and be a character, but he was a genuinely very, very talented wrestler. Um, you know, he had submission holes, he was a great striker, he could he could mix it up with anybody in the in the ring and not be um not look like he was being carried by anyone who was technically better than him. He was able to put up a show by himself as well. So I mean we talk about the the persona, but the, the in-ring performer was also top-notch for many, many years. Yeah, the, the, the ultimate monster, I think. And I, I, th I think, personally, uh, maybe Brock Lesnar aside, I think he's had the best career. The fact that I've he... I've got one who I think had a better one, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> the fact that you didn't have to put the world title on The Undertaker for him to be over yeah. says it all. Yeah, Who's... absolutely. He was, he was over on his own. We'll, we'll jump to your number two next. My number two is the all-American hero, Kurt Angle. I had a feeling he'd feature in your list. <laughs> yeah, he, he would have been my one if it wasn't for one's existence, obviously, because, you know, he's two. But it, it was very close. It was very close. The guy was, he took to it so quickly. He went from being a sportscaster uh, on MSNBC in, mm. in the late 90s to being one of the best in the world in about a year and a half. And he did all this breaking his neck five times. Wow. He 
was excellent in WWE in his initial run. His second run WWE was short. He was a bit over the hill. His run in TNA is so unheralded. He was brilliant. Mm. I was watching TNA at that time. I think you yeah. saw some of it too. I, I, oh, and Sandler. Kurt Angle's what, got, what, what pulled me over. Uh, him and a few others that were doing it at the time, like Sting and such. But yeah, Kurt, Kurt was um, just an yeah, absolute phenom. Like I said, the broken neck thing as well. That's just yeah. incredible endur- durability to, to still do it. Uh, I, I don't get it. I mean, I read his autobiography and he talked a lot about his his neck and how in school he was called the thumb because he his head looked <laughs> like a thumb. But he, he would it, often it laugh and say, you're right, I do look like a thumb, but that neck saved his life because mm. it was that size. And the stuff he does for training and the fact that he was able to go, that, that match he had with Samoa Joe in TNA is... Again, we're touching on another top five here. Outstanding. You had Samoa Joe's year and a half long undefeated streak versus Kurt Angle. It's Kurt Angle. He's just mm. so damn good. And along with Brock Lesnar, two guys that you know would crush pretty much anyone else in, in an actual fight. He just, yeah. You just believed it. You believed it. He could do it for real. Absolutely. Yeah. He could do it for real. Um, yeah. Now, he's probably the only person that makes either of our top five that did actually suck, though. He, did, he definitely did suck, yeah. He ah. definitely did suck. He made a recent appearance on Raw, actually, where uh, they reenacted the Edge I suck on the back of the photographs he was looking at thing. <laughs> I, I, I did enjoy that. I'm not mad about nostalgia. I think there's a bit too much of it in wrestling, and there's a bit too much comedy as well. But yeah. I think what, what worked for Kurt Angle's comedy was he would kill you while making you laugh. Case in point is the, the match he had with um, Hulk Hogan at King of the Ring 2002, where uh, he had recently lost his hair in a hair versus hair match with Edge. And he was mm. wearing that wrestling helmet with the really bad. Yes. <laughs> and that match is pure comedy. He carried a very, very over the hill and injured. Uh, Hulk Hogan to one of Hulk Hogan's best ever in-ring matches. Mm. He was hilarious, but he's a badass as well. He made Hulk Hogan tap out. Crazy. One of only two people to make Hulk Hogan tap out. The other one being the total package Lex Luger. Oh, wow. Yeah. Now, actually, you know, uh, another thing that I did love, my, I said it earlier with Ric Flair, I love the submission specialist and the guys who could do that. And Angle is up there. The Angle lock is... It was just when it was locked in, you knew that was the match over. over. The he, to the ropes. This guy has it done, yeah. or at least in his first round, that was the case. It when was, he grapevines the leg, when he put his whole body around the leg, other than Brock Lesnar, who kind of dragged him around a bit, you, when he got that, when he got that grapevine in, forget it, it's done. Like and there were some views you could see of like genuinely contorted ankle bones that looked yeah. like he was he was about to snap someone's leg, and I think. We know because of his, his pedigree as an actual, you know, Olympic wrestler that he could have snapped someone's leg very easily. He just, you know, it's it's actively him. You know, he, it was, he was talented enough to not do it, to put it that way, because he was very if, able to. Yeah, and if I may say, he was such an expert that he knew the limit to which he could push a limb without it actually being damaged. Yeah, and that, yeah. That, that's, that's as good as it gets. So do we want to go straight into number ones? Because we've been, we've been four for four different from one another. Or do we want to run through some honorable mentions? Uh, honorable mention sounds good. Who, who have you got? Uh, I'm going to do a, a, a complete just cannonade of names. 
And okay, most cool. of yours appear here. <laughs> so, so we do like a lot of the same wrestlers. Allow me just to quickly shoot through a list of names. About 20 or so, but I'll be fine. Randy Orton, Kurt Angle, Chris Jericho, John Cena, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Triple H, Razor Ramon, Kane, Hulk Hogan, Mick Foley, Edge and Christian, but you have to have them as a pair. Macho Man Randy Savage, Lex Luger, Bret Hart, Sting, Daniel Bryan, CM Punk, Kevin Nash. I could keep going. I could keep going. But it's just there's so many amazing wrestlers that I don't, you know, it's almost like we're doing them dirty by not putting them in the top five. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, there is just, we were spoiled. We have been spoiled. When, when you when you try and make a list like this, you realize how many greats there have been, I guess. Um, and so, the, yeah, I just want to throw out that list and I'll, I'll send it over to your album mention this. And I look, I, when you say about being blessed, being, ble being uh, blessed, I look at my five and realize they were all active pretty much at the same time. Mm. So, and we got to experience these people in our prime. I don't think there'll be an era like the ones we've seen. We're, yeah, we're well, very lucky. You can hope that wrestling has a revival back to that, that real proper 90s era. Yeah. But, I mean, that would require a, a current sanitized product to be a little looser. <laughs> yeah. And I don't think society these days would allow that, I don't think. Not to, not to the extent of what it was in the 90s. Yeah. The 90s will always be in its own time. <laughs> yeah. A quick rundown through my honourable mentions. There's going to be quite a bit of crossover, and there's one or two left fields. Okay. Randy Savage, as he said. CM Punk. Eddie Guerrero. Randy Orton, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Edge. Ric Flair, of course. I have down Daniel Bryan Danielson, because I don't know what to call the guy. Depends um, on which promotion. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Mr. Perfect is on my list. Great shout, Mr. Perfect. Sean, Sean Michaels and Triple H are there. Um, I also have Randy Savage, CM Punk said that. MJF, I think he's going to be. Yeah. He's, so, he's so good. He never breaks character, ever. Uh, and my most left field one is uh, is probably Bam Bam Bigelow. I love that guy. Oh, Bam Bam was one of the bit best. Yeah, oh. that's a great shout. I cannot believe he wasn't on my list. Bam Bam, or on my honorable mentions, not my top five. Sorry, Bam Bam. But Bam Bam Bigelow was one of the best big men to move. He he was so good in the ring, and he was yeah. deceptively agile. And oh yeah, that's a great shout. I'm so glad you 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 remember to put Bam Bam on the list because. Yeah, any list of, of, of top, top performers, especially from the era that we're talking about with our slight biases. Yeah. Bam Bam's got to go in. And a lot of the people listening, you know, if you guys are younger, might be like, who's Bam Bam Bigelow? Because he doesn't get the plaudits that some of these other names might get, you know, in the, in the history books. Um, YouTube, Bam Bam Bigelow. And you Absolutely. will not be disappointed. Some great matches. We're, we're definitely going to do a, a Bam Bam match at some stage for a watch along. Uh, there's a couple oh, of matches he had that were... He main evented WrestleMania. CM Punk didn't do that. Yeah. Although CM Punk didn't get the, you know, add to the streak. Well, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> I, I would prefer that. But his uh, WrestleMania 11 match against um, uh, Lawrence Taylor, like he carried uh, a nobody in the world yeah. of wrestling to a yeah. passable main event. Outstanding. Oh, no, man. That was great. Outstanding. So who's your number one? Let's do it. Number one. You mentioned him on your list, and I, I, I was like, oh, yeah, I left him off mine. Any keen listeners will have already noticed the difference. For me, it's Mr. WrestleMania himself, Shawn Michaels. 
the, the famous quote about Shawn Michaels is he could have had a wrestling match with a broom and it would have been a, it would have been one of the best matches of the night uh, or any night. Uh, Shawn Michaels was so technically gifted, but also greedy enough to be the best performer in the world that he he just was. You know, for me growing up, when when the sweet chin music and the connection of the sweet chin music, you believed he might have just taken the head off someone or someone was clean out because he it was it was a a perfectly delivered move. Lesser wrestlers would have had a foot of difference from where their foot was to where the head of the wrestler was. No, Michael's connected. There, you know his foot was planted on some guy's jaws and he left it there. Um, it was just a beautiful move. He was a, his, his wrestling matches, amazing. You covered it earlier when you mentioned Razor Ramon. WrestleMania 10, the ladder match, Razor Ramon versus Shawn Michaels. It's got to go into the history books, and we will debate this on another episode in the future. But one of the best matches for me personally I ever watched. And I will say that nothing on God's green earth will stop Shawn Michaels from getting to the top of that ladder. <laughs> Paul is, is just an all-timer. I did look up some stats on him just to get more of it. Obviously, we know he was Mr. WrestleMania. 15 Match of the Year awards he had, which shows longevity, but also longevity at a top, top level. Yeah. Um, his match at WrestleMania 24 versus Ric Flair was voted Match of the Decade as well. Yeah. The man could do it all. Um, and... We can't forget, you know, someone who is in both of our honorable mention lists is, I believe, Bret Hart, the Montreal Screwjob. You know, the selling that Michaels did of that, you know, he he could just be the most hated guy in the room, but you love to watch him. And yeah. that's, for me, was Michaels. He was brilliant. I haven't even mentioned D-Generation X and his partnership with Triple H, which was legendary. Uh, not, and oh, I need to mention Marty Jannetty. I mean, he made that guy's career by kicking him through a window. <laughs> Michaels was the best. <laughs> Michaels was amazing. Like they, um, they're no, they, they are a metaphor. If you call someone "You're my Marty Janetti," that's an <laughs> insult. Yeah, it's pop culture relevant. It is. Yeah. It is. Um, and look, we mentioned this about people on the list before. People having their troubles, and you know, again, we're we're talking about the in-ring performers here. Um, Michaels, absolutely, you know, different things with substance abuse and stuff, and had his own troubles, but that's. You know, Michael Sean Higginbottom, the, the real human being. We are talking about Shawn Michaels, the legendary in-ring wrestler who could do just insane yeah. ma uh, performances and would just make you never want – you would always have to watch if Shawn Michaels was about to be on the TV. So for me, uh, Michaels, he is just the most captivating wrestler. He was the most gifted wrestler that I uh, saw or perceived. But – you might differ from me because he was on your honorable mention list. So let's let's drum roll your number one. Wait, I, I, just a quick thing I want to say about Michaels is he had two runs. Mm -hmm. I think his second was better. No, I will say he was known as being a, a douchebag in, in his first run. Yeah. But in his first run, as in his second run, when he was in there with a guy that he wanted to give for, he was so damn good. That, that's why that match with Mania 10 is good because him and Razor were friends. He gave Razor so much. Yeah. Uh, in, in his match at WrestleMania 21 against Kurt Angle, he gave Kurt Angle so much. He tapped out cleanly. The two matches with The Undertaker at WrestleMania, unbelievable, unbelievable. When he, Stone Cold Steve Austin, 
WrestleMania again. When, uh, I believe that was 13. Unbelievable seller, yeah. Unbelievable. Same, now, he, did, he did no-sell Hulk Hogan and, and completely made Hulk Hogan a fool. But that Michaels is so was, funny. Was, Michaels was mean enough to do that, and he was a jerk. He totally was. Yeah. Absolutely a point in his career he was. But he was still just, just amazing. And you mentioned the two runs. It is we, we talked about this with Kurt Angle with the neck breaks and, and still being able to do it. Michaels, you know, um, uh, basically crushed some of his, his vertebrae or, 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 you know, going over the ropes, uh, land, landing on, on the mat and also hitting himself off a casket. It was in a casket match versus Taker. He did that injury and um, came back. He had to retire effectively and then came back a few years later. Um, yeah. You know, it shows a, a passion for what you do, a love. Because you don't get back in that ring with a couple of guys, him, Edge, Angle, these guys who... You know, had career-ending injuries, and there's a few more that I'm 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 not naming, but you know, there there's more. But came back and went out at a high level, came back at a high level. It's one thing to come back, you know, but you may not be yourself anymore. Yeah. These guys came back and were still the showstoppers. Michael's yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. My number one, you could probably predict, is. Right, the Hitman Hart. In my opinion, the best finisher in wrestling. That sharpshooter. I I mean, I know he stole it off Sting. It's a Scorpion Deathlock. But he did admit that. His book is, I know we probably do a top five wrestling books. It's outstanding. It's yeah. so detailed. He doesn't leave any stone unturned. He's so honest about himself, about the bad things that he did. His believability, which is why you're in wrestling, is to feel an emotion as provoked by the person you're deal that is on the screen. Love him or hate him. He was brilliant as a babyface, in my opinion, the best babyface in history. Mm -hmm. But as a heel in that America versus Canada thing, he was outstanding because he told the truth. Yeah. The best bad guys in the world, Javier Bardem in uh, one of the James Bond movies, for example, he, he, he's a legitimate bad guy. He's like, I don't like the person that's supposed to be good. Because they screwed me over. Yeah, he said, yeah. Americans are not as nice to people as Canadians are. Your gun crime is a joke. He said, how many, how many more school shootings are you going to have? Those were his promos. And he was telling yeah. the truth. Such a good heel. Such a good heel. Um, the Montreal screw job is obviously awful. But um, I don't think it takes away from his career. His time in no, WCW no. wasn't great. He still had the occasional good match. His own heart tribute match, another name that needs to be on the honorable mention list. His own heart yes. tribute match against Chris Benoit is, it's simple, it's basic, but it's two guys that love what they do and are flipping good at it. Yeah. So Bret, Bret Hart for me is the music, the pink and black, the unselfish way he put so many people over. He took it seriously. He took himself seriously. And in a world, especially today, where there's so many people that take the mick out of the business, he is missed. He's missed big thing. No, I, I can't argue with any of your picks. And on another day, they would probably be exactly my picks. Uh, yeah. Just to say it on Brett, the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. Uh, I, I, think, I think you might edge it on that. Um, I actually did think, uh, just saying edge it, I did think that edge... For you, because uh, I know he's one of your favorites, but I guess yeah. it must have been a hard leave out. 
Maybe that's a discussion for another day. <laughs> of 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 the names other than your top five, who was the hardest not to put in? Do you think? So basically, who's number six? <laughs> this could go on. <laughs> number six for me. I mean, actually, well, Brett. But talking about him, does Brett beat you know the Rock Eddie? Maybe. Um, so Brett definitely. Um, do you know what? The, I, I'm going to go, even though technically he is a fanboy of Brett's, I'll go Jericho. Um, yeah. Jericho was just so good to watch. He reinvented himself so many times um, and kept himself fresh, kept himself up there. Um, but yeah, Jericho for me is the narrow miss. But I could have put Angle, the guy, uh, Razor, Brett, absolutely they could go up there. Edge for me can go up there. Yeah. Macho Man, Randy Savage. I mean, these guys, I mean, we're just going back over my album mention list now. Yeah. But uh, absolutely. I mean, we we were spoiled. Uh, and I'm only just realizing how spoiled now that we try to put a list together of the best. Because I still would feel the five I've called out are some of the best to ever do it. But every single one you called out, yeah, also the best to ever do it. Yeah. So two completely different top fives. There was no overlap, which does surprise me. Yeah, um, me too. We have a lot of similar likes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I loved all your picks. And yeah, I think the, uh, finishing on Brett, best there was, the best there is, the best there ever will be. Yeah, that's, that's perfect. <laughs> I think, I think, I think, other than my top two, I think Brett and Kurt, I think, other than that, I think every single person on the honorable mention could have been three, four, and five as well. All of them. I'd agree with that. My top two for me, Sean and The Undertaker, will always be in my top five. Yeah. But maybe not top two odds, but they would always be included because they, for me, were just... But yeah, you could rotate any other three top guys with them. And I'd be like, yeah, you've got a stable. It's unbeatable. But yeah. Yeah, um, yeah just that was my picks today. But let's, let's try this maybe in a year and see if we've completely changed. Absolutely. Will we save the signs for another time? We can do, yeah. Let's yeah, the, start them time, the next yeah. episode. Yeah. Um, um, you did mention one that I agree with you on is MJF. That's one for the future. There's a few other oh, really good up and comers who are coming through. He's you know, just we look back at this in five, ten years, and the list might change. Yeah. Um, before we go, a question for you. If you could pick any two of your top five to have a match in their prime, who would it be if they didn't already? Well, my top two being Sean the Undertaker did it twice at WrestleMania, and they were amazing, amazing matches. And Helen Sean and Razor, Sean and Razor had one of my favorite matches of all time at WrestleMania ten. Uh, if I was going to pick two though in their primes, who I would love to see do it, basically, um, I would have loved to see because I think this would have been an amazing match. Is Eddie CM Punk, Eddie Guerrero versus CM Punk, yeah. both of them at their yeah. primes. It's because it's never happened. It never can happen. Um, I just think it would have sold and it would have been two guys who knew how to be both the babyface and the heel. And I think they would have they would have slipped back and forth between who's babyface and who's heel in that rivalry cons consistently because they both would have cheated over each other. It would have been it would have been gold. <laughs> yeah. I I I would have said uh I would I wouldn't say sorry, Brett and Brock. I think Brock would throw Brett around a bit and I think uh, the real Brett would get pissed off about that I don't think that would go down too well um, I would say I would say Brett and Kurt yeah can you imagine what that would be like and I, I, both of these guys in separate interviews have said that if there's one guy 
you did you yeah. didn't fight in your prime, who would it have been? And they've both said each other. It's a crime that that didn't get to happen. Like Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan never happened. It should have. That should have happened, yeah. Bret Hart um, and Kurt Angle just happened to be in different companies at a time when it could have happened. Yeah. It's such a shame, but that that would have that could headline anything, anything. Bret and, Bret and Kurt would have headlined any show ever and would have gone down as an all time if they did it right. Absolutely. Oh, Great show. We'll bring this to an end. Um, absolutely. Yeah, this is, we, this is fun. <laughs> well, absolutely, man. We've got we to keep going. What we'll do is we'll, we'll, we'll formulate some kind of sign-off as time goes by, because the intro is easy. The sign-off is hard. So I'll probably <laughs> end with a, a ding, ding, ding or something. Yeah, something stupid like that. So, Perfect. signing off until next week when we'll do the actual format where we will do a watch-along. I am the Ultra Bomb. And I've been another semi-pro. Or ASP to his friends. ASP, boom. See you guys next time.